So we're going to talk about the since today is Chalamot Sukkot. If anyone does not know that, we're in during the seven-day festival. So there's a fascinating aspect, the medical aspect of uh, Sukkah, which seems to be unique, maybe as we'll see, not clearly, but uh, somewhat unique to the Sukkah. That's what I'd like to discuss: is it unique to Sukkah or not? Mm. Um, which is we understand there's a f- this is a perfect example of something which we actually the interpretation of the verse um, and how you interpret it has made major legal ramifications halachic legal ramifications for the um, obligation of the mitzvah and for the exemption of the mitzvah okay which is the first verse on your page here the reason I don't have a page it goes like this um, the Pasuk of the Torah says in Parashat Emor which we read on the first day two days of Sukkot in synagogue it says, fifteenth day of the seventh month, which is the month of Tishrei, is the seventh month, not the first month. Um, should be the holiday of Sukkot, um, seven days. Okay, so it's a seven-day holiday, as we know in Chutzlar, some do eight. Um, we like always being adding to. Uh, the mitzvot, and then so that's a very nice verse. The next verse is the one more importantly. Um, it says like this: Bayom Rishon, on the first day, Mikra Kodesh shall be a holy day. Kol Melechet Avodah Los Hatu. Okay, so Sasu, um, you shall not do any work. So it's a full holiday. Um, mm-hmm. I missed the main verse here. I didn't want to put here. Okay, um, so the the verse that I'm referring to is not on the page. Happy to paste it at 6 a.m. this morning. Clearly, was not really up yet. It was before my first coffee. But um, in the verse that I did want to put, which is the following verse, <laughs> it says like this. I'm gonna read it to here. It says, So the first day, as we know, only the first and last day is the holiday. Today, that's why I was able to come here. Today's an intermediate day. You had to do work. So it's the Torah is the first verse telling you don't do work. The first and last. Day. And the verse I wanted to uh, address. Um, was like this. It says on the next in the next verse, "Hey, come join us. Good stuff." Um, uh, says you shall dwell in the sukkah for seven days. Call Hazrach Israel, any um, citizen of Israel. Yeshu um, basukot shall dwell in the sukkah, and then again, importantly, so there's two important things here. First, it's telling you to dwell in the sukkah. We'll see what that means. And then it also says leman yedu. It says the purpose very few times, as we know. Because the Torah ascribed the purpose of the mitzvah here. The Torah explicitly tells you the purpose of the mitzvah. It says leman yedu dorotechem, in order that your generation shall know ki basukot toshavtit Israel that God um, put us uh, or placed us in the boots in the desert. When he took us out of Egypt, and there is an argument in Talmud exactly how to translate the words, is referring to the actual boots that they built, that God stole, which were an ample protection, but they were protected for 40 years. The desert was referring to the clouds of glory, which also protected them. Um, so that's Machlokas Tanaim, or Amaraim, in the Talmud as to what exactly that was referring to. But either way, it's telling you very clearly the purpose of us sitting in a sukkah for seven days is to remember the protection that God afforded us in the 40 years in the desert. Why is this time of the year? It's not for now, that's a whole different question. But that's uh, that's because uh, um, really why it should be after the Exodus, why are we celebrating it now? It should be after Pesach. Um, but I think the women needed a break after Pesach, so they, they moved the holiday to after. after or or the whole thing is an artificial thing, but yes. Well, it's not artificial, it says it in the Torah, but it's hard to say it's no, artificial. Do you have to ruin my take? Okay. Now I have to work on it. I have to pay editors. It's, it's like 60 bu- 15, I mean, 25 bucks an you hour. You can't live in a desert in this shit. Yeah. But anyway. Exactly, it's called, they called a miracle. Amazing ah, thing. The mana. Okay. There's a lot of miracles that occurred to the Jewish people. Flooding okay. of the sea, you're right. can't walk on water. But when that's what to say, you can. It's an amazing concept. Okay, basic precept of uh, yeah, um, Judaism. Yeah. Very um, So now, so, um, so this is an amazing thing. We commemorate the protection that God afforded us in the desert. Um, very, very beautiful. Now, so there, there's two fascinating uh, issues here. The first, so let's really focus on the first part. It says, Pasuko Teshu. So the question is, how do we define the word dwell in the sukkah? Okay, so the Gemara says, and it's not clear 
exactly the, the, the deviation, but it's learned from other places where we, the Torah, again, this is called what we call, one of the 13 principles of extrapolation is called Gzera Shava, that means we have a word and we're not exactly sure of the definition, we find a similar word in other places in the Torah. So the word Teshvu, dwell, um, is usually used in a house setting. So the Talmud extrapolates and understands that word Teshvu here means shall live and dwell in your sukkah as you dwell in your house. Okay, so whatever you do in your home, you do in your sukkah. So you eat, drink, sleep, um, watch the Astros, whatever it may be, you entertain your guests, everything you do, your full life in your home, that should be moved into your temporary dwelling of the sukkah for the seven days. Now, hence the halacha is, and it's a very strict halacha to fulfill the mitzvah of sukkah in its full sense, especially in Houston, Texas, um, because of, obviously, uh, uh, the weather issues, but in many places, if you live in Antarctica or if you live in Poland or Russia or Siberia, similar problem. Um, but but if you, I mean you live in a good weather climate, so oh, hey, the halacha is, how are you? Thank you for coming. Um, so the halacha is, you dwell in the sukkah as you dwell in your home. Similar. So what again? Whatever you do, you read the paper in the morning with your coffee, your bagel. Um, your Starbucks, so you need to do that in the sukkah. Move everything, every aspect of your life into the sukkah. Obviously there's something called, uh, um, like Shulchan Aruch discusses what's called a bizui, something that's a bizui, and you don't, you know, uh, go to the bathroom in the sukkah, you don't, certain things. Some might say washing the astros is a bizui, but, uh, but uh, <laughs> they lose, um, depending on how they do in the game. That might be a, a humiliating, something you don't do a humiliating act in the sukkah, even though you might it would do that. not bring you joy you know. if they were losing. Well, it's not about joy, necessarily. There is an aspect of joy. That's a, it actually is, is something. But the point is, again, if it's humiliating, so you don't do a humiliating act and stuff. So obviously, listen, you're not going to, you know, depends what you do in your home. So even if you do that in your home, that part, it says, it's called a bizoy sukkah. You don't do a bizoy, an act of bizoy. You're not supposed to bring garbage can in the sukkah, it says. Things like that. Even though it's just, uh, you know, it is a holy place. Okay, without getting into Kabbalistic aspects of, uh, it says, the shechina, rest in the sukkah, whatever. That's a separate issue. It's too Kabbalistic for, um, for today's session. But the point being is, so again, so one is we're learning a very important legal definition here. When it says dwell in your sukkah, it means as you dwell in your own. So now that is, on one side it's stringent. Again, everything you need to eat, sleep, drink in the sukkah. Uh, entertain your guests. Everything you do in the sukkah, you should do. By the way, not work. I mean, if you go into work, so then you leave your ass. That's, and that's the lenient side. The other side, the Talmud says, just like we're, we're interpreting the word dwell in your sukkah as you dwell in your home, means everything you do in your home. So everything you wouldn't do in your home, you don't do in the sukkah. So, for example, um, you don't work in your home. You leave your house for work. You go, you're going on vacation, you're going on a cruise, you're going to CYJ. So as long as you're traveling, you're exempt from sukkah because just as you leave your home to travel, you can leave your sukkah to travel. So you're this total exemption for a sukkah when you're traveling. I mean, I don't want to take it to the extreme because the question is some say, some limited only to alchei mitzvah if you're traveling only for mitzvah purposes, which the question is making money. If you ordinarily work at home. Yeah, and technically you should work in the sukkah, yeah. Oh, I'm um, just asking. Yeah, I'm saying that's an intensive job. How are you? Whoa, good morning. So now, now, there comes out a major leniency, as we're going to see here, because let's say, Houston, Texas, um, you leave your sukkah, for example, if there'd be a, a some type of, uh, let's say, uh, what would be an infestation in your home, uh, let's say a, a possum comes into your home, or termites, or ro- uh, a lot of tree roaches, or thank you very much, um, a paper in the future, paper bag, uh, I'm worried about the environment, how to use plastic. But, um, um, the point is, so lots of oil, there's not many trees. It's true. So the, the, the point is, so just as we're interpreting the verse in a legalistic way, a very legalistic way, and saying, do everything you do in your home in the sukkah, everything you don't do in your home, you would leave your home for, you're exempt from the sukkah. So again, so then we'll see examples of that would be extreme heat, Houston maybe, extreme cold, uh, or Alaska, wherever you, or uh, Siberia. Um, see, other examples in the Shulchan Aruch will give. We're going to read the Shulchan Aruch together, but so the same applies. So you're exempt from the sukkah any time there's a situation you'd leave your home for, and therefore, in the medical aspect, as we're going to see, the medical application to that is 
normally, as we know, you're not exempt from any mitzvah unless you're really ill. The definition usually in halacha of illness means something you'd have to go to bed for. Um, let's say on Shabbat, you're allowed to take medicine in that case. We're not talking about, obviously, if there's a danger to life, of course. Exempt from any mitzvah. But normally, let's say, even, there's, as we discussed many times, there's three categories or, of illness. So the lowest category in halacha is what we call chash barash, okay, as a headache. It's a minor headache, not even a migraine. Migraine is already you go to bed for. Something you wouldn't go to bed for, but it, it causes, it's an uncomfortable situation. You have a toothache, you have a backache, things like that, which halachically are normally insignificant when it relates to the observance of mitzvahs. When it comes to the sukkah, you're exempt. Even a minor ache or pain, as the Shulchan Aruch will say, because again, you're, you're not going to sit in your dining room eating at the dining room table if you're not feeling well. You know, you're going to go and uh, whatever, you go to bed with your, and, and, and whatever it is, or not even go to bed, but you're not going to want to sit and socialize with people. So therefore, you're exempt from the sukkah, as the Shulchan Aruch will see in a second, exempts you even for a minor discomfort from the same legal verse, from the same legal interpretation. Teshvu kein tadur, you shall dwell in the sukkah as you live in your home. So if you leave your home, or you'd, you're somewhere, you leave the dining room to go to a different room, so you're not going to eat with everyone because you have a mind of discomfort, you're totally exempt from the sukkah. And the cane to do, or what, what was Cain that? to do, as Cain? you dwell in but your home, as you live in your Torah, home. that's not the Torah, that's... Yeah, that's the interpretation, that's the extrapolation. The word peishvu, dwell, we're saying, we're interpreting that word to mean dwell in the sukkah, cane to do, as you dwell in your and home. And who says that? Talmud. Okay. Uh, it's a total legalistic interpretation. It's based on okay. um, other places where it uses the term um, teish. Right. Okay. Then it's referring to living in your home. So that's where we get. That's one direction. We'll see. There's other ways to extrapolate. But but the bottom line is. So it's a, a stringency. Stringency in the sense of if you're fine and healthy, you have no aches or pains, you have to do everything in the sukkah. So that's a pretty hard thing to accomplish. If you have any discomfort. Um, whether it be from an illness, whether it be from your mother-in-law's in the sukkah, maybe, or or something where that will cause you that you would leave your home for that reason. Okay, there's there's a, a lot of mosquitoes, a broken window, mosquitoes came in your home, so you would check into the Hilton or you go to sleep by a friend. So then you're exempt, you and you're allowed to leave your sukkah or rain, for example, if your roof is leaking. Your roof, uh, if you're just like if you're sitting in your dining room, it's a little leak from the attic, so you're gonna leave your dining room. You're not gonna eat there. Okay, so the same thing. Once it starts raining outside, you're now exempt from the sukkah. So much so, as we'll see, the Talmud says, if you stay in the sukkah, you're what's called nikra hedrit. Hedrit. You're, you're an idiot. Because God is basically telling you, get out of my sukkah. It's, it's, uh, the Talmud uh, gives the example. It says, like a, it says, you know, it's like a butler serves the king and he throws the food back in his face. So God is telling you, get out of the sukkah. Leave my sukkah. And you're going to go and I'm going to show God I'm, I'm firmer than him. I'm going to stay in my sukkah. Can't be firmer than God. Um, some people try, but it's not a good thing. Judaism doesn't like you. Holier than thou. Right, exactly. Well, holier than God in this case. Right. So God is telling you, leave my sukkah by making it rain. And you're saying, oh, I'm going to stay here and eat anyway. I'm going to make kiddush here. So much so, as we're going to see, that it's, it's even a... If you do stay, you're not fulfilling the mitzvah in a certain sense, what the Gemara is saying. Because since the definition we're saying, is a legal definition of the mitzvah is dwell in your sukkah as your home, so again, if, you, if this is a situation where you'd leave your home because of the discomfort, so then you're not fulfilling the mitzvah of sukkah because the, the whole definition of dwelling in the sukkah is dwell as in, as in your home. So if it's raining, for example, and we're saying you stay in the sukkah, so you, it's very nice. You're eating outside on your porch in the rain. It's a beautiful thing. You can write a country song about it, but it's nothing to do with mitzvah because you're not fulfilling the mitzvah in the sense um, that... Uh, that uh, the Torah gives you the guidelines for. Okay, so it's very important. So now, let's read the Shulchan Aruch and it try to understand. It all sorts of personal, quirky things because people have lots of different we'll ways to dwell so Is it subjective homes. or objective? Is, yeah. is your discomfort, and that's a very important question we'll see, it's discussed. Um, is the, when we say a discomfort um, exempts you from sukkah, is that a uh, objective discomfort or a or a subject of discomfort because I, people have crazy well, things. Not, not just Some people part. see a uh, you know a flying object you know from 20 feet away and they're and they're running. But if the standard is how you dwell in your home, people dwell in their homes lots and lots of different ways. So I would think you'd have a lot of. Oh, so you're right. The Shulchan Aruch says you got to bring in all your nice couches. You know, 
a real sukkah that people have is in Israel. Many people in Israel have, uh, in, even in New York, I've seen it, they have a retractable roof in one room, and it's a regular room in the house, and they have, uh, you know, a remote control. Or, That's or, uh, commitment. And they have a retractable roof because, listen, it's part of your home. And meaning they bring, their people bring couches in. Uh, I slept in the sukkah the first night with my son-in-law, then the second night was too human. First night was nice. And the first year when I moved to Houston, 21 years ago, I slept in the sukkah. And I woke up, there was, an, uh, there was a possum in the sukkah with me. That was it. it cured me <laughs> for the last 20 years. Now my son-in-law sleeps in the sukkah, so I had no excuse. So this last year was how I go. This year was 71, the first night. So I had no excuse. Also, we screened, our whole sukkah screened in, and nothing can come in. No more possums. So I really have no excuse. If the weather's nice and they have no, nothing creepy, crawly creatures, so then you don't have that exemption of a minor discomfort. Um, so then I had no choice. Second night it was it was very humid, and I I and so I didn't sleep there. He did. Um, okay, so so let's see how this. So so again, it, it's you're right. How you dwell in your home? If you live in a some people live in a, in a lesser home trailer so house. Then right. Trailer so then they're less they're less discomforted. Um, but but again, is it subjective or not? But either way, it says you should bring in your nice. Uh, Dishes, you know, you shouldn't, you know, just because outside you're using, a, you know, American flag paper plates or the cheap paper plates, you shouldn't do that. Whatever you do in your home, you should be doing in the second. Okay, so let's read the Shulchan Aruch a little. Um, read it in the, I'm going to read the Hebrew because it's just it's easier and for me and the translations on the bottom. Um, Eddie, I did it just for you. You might say you might. Appreciate it. So, um, I'm going to read the Hebrew and translate. It sounds like this, Nashim Vavadim Tanim, but it's, uh, it's translated in the bottom. Tell me if I'm translating it wrong. Oh, sorry, that's the wrong again. It's the wrong translation. Yeah, yeah that's the wrong safe. Sorry. It starts um, with Mitzta'el Patur. Yeah, so let's start all the way at the bottom. Mitzta'el Patur Minasuka. Actually, start uh, a little before that, actually. Chashpeina. So this is because a big, this is, this is going to be a very important question, as we're going to see. Chola, as we said, a someone a lo- minor illness would this would exempt you from sukkah also. Minor. That means again nothing serious. Just there you have a headache, you have a bad headache, you have a migraine. So so um, the question becomes: Is that the same exemption as mitzvah? Do we learn that from the same source, or is that a, it's a different exemption of a chola? So that's very important. So let's see what he. Then we'll start from a little before, which you don't have on your sheet. Um, the, the paragraph before. It's there. Chash be'enam. Someone has an eye ache. I skipped some words here. V'yesh mishom r'she'enam isham I don't know. It's missing stuff here. But why don't I read it from the original? That might be better. Sorry about that. We have the original here. Mind playing on it. That's what happens when you copy and paste. It doesn't work out. So the, the Shulchan Aruch says like this. Um, we'll start from a little before. Cholim misham she'en. So a ill person and their attendance. So this is a fascinating thing, which it's not only the person themselves. So let's say you have an attendant, whatever nationality, well, if, if the attendant is not Jewish, it's irrelevant, because um, they're not having sukkah anyway. But if you have, which I never met someone, I never met a Jewish attendant, um, someone who has a Jewish attendant, um, but someone who's an ill person who has a Jewish aide, okay? Um, it could be family members. Yeah, okay, good point. Sometimes, yeah, there are still are those family members who take care of their own... Uh, Elderly parents, yeah. I saw really him, uh, Ripley, believe it or okay. not. <laughs> Amazing. So, uh, Does this mean that he is discomforted and not his attendance? Like when you get to discomfort, you know, when or, you get to discomfort, you know. jumping in. We're talking about the first thing, which I, again, it's not on the sheet in the correct form, but the first halacha was saying, before we get to discomfort, there's a concept, just someone who is a minor illness. And their attendants, Pturim and Asukah, both of them are exempt from the Sukkah. Mm-hmm. And the oh. question is why? Um, are they both exempt because um, already passed it down a bit. Are they both exempt because is the attendant exempt because of the ill the patient, or does the attendant have his own exemption? And we'll talk about that in a second. But it says the chola and the attendant, assuming they're Jewish, are exempt from the sukkah. They're not Jewish, they don't have to either exempt anyway. The low chola sheish basakani says says the shulchan we're not talking about a chola who's in danger. Because that's obvious, they're exempt from all mitzvot. He has a headache. He has an eye ache. So eyes, his allergies are bothering him, um, which is very common in Houston this time of the year. 
and there are those that say, it's an opinion that says that the attendants are only exempt at the time they're actually servicing the patient. But if the patient doesn't need them now, the patient fell asleep, so now they have to go eat in the sukkah. Now you can make the argument that listen, the patient might wake up and need them, so they have to be able to hear the patient. So if they have a beeper or a, uh, you know, what, what's it called? You could talk in one place and you hear it in the walkie-talkie. Uh, the, the new things. You know, uh, uh, yeah, you know, a bullhorn. I know, uh, you know, <laughs> speaker, yeah, a speaker, like yeah, a speaker. One more, Alexa. I don't know, whatever it's called. Uh, those things they have for kids. Yeah. Uh, what are they called? Nobody has grandkids. No, oh. they you're living. In the, you're listening in the to their room. Uh, baby monitors. monitors. Yeah, monitor. like a baby monitor, which they have for those. I mean, uh, yeah, no, I'm not. A monitor. This phone actually has a walkie-talkie on it. Damn it. This watch rather has a walkie-talkie. The term walkie-talkie is like from when we were growing up. So they don't use that. Well, it's better than a tin can. So there are those that say it's only when the bit. attendant is addressing the needs of, the, of, the, of this patient is when they're exempt. But if the patient falls asleep or the patient now says, you know, he's watching TV and he's fine, then you, can, you have to go out to sukkah if you want to eat at that time. Um, then in parentheses it says, Misha mak is dam chayv Someone who just had, uh, what's it called? Uh, the leeches. Oh, Bloodletting, blood they're still obligated in the sukkah. That's not an illness in those days either. That makes you feel good. So just because you just had bloodletting, you're feeling a little weak. You shouldn't have done the bloodletting before. Whatever the case is, go out. You still obligated in the sukkah because you're in a better mood after bloodletting, not worse. Okay, so that's a separate issue. But the point being is, and I just want to address, and so we'll get back to this, is that some say the 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 the. We're going to see. It's a question of how we view the patient. Because now, the next halacha, so you can talk about anyone with a discomfort. So it's not limited to illness or to pain. So now, is the pain exemption of a, is the same as the, the general discomfort exemption based on this legalistic interpretation of Teshu Kain Taduru? Dwell in the sukkah as you do in your home. Therefore, I'll just say, if I, would be, if I would be discomforted enough, this level of discomfort, I would leave my home so then I can leave the sukkah. Or is it just a special thing for illness? that we're making exemption for illness. So that's questionable. Some say as far as the attendant, because as we're going to see, the attendant of the discomforted person is not exempt from the sukkah. We only allow the, the attendant of a someone who's of a patient to leave the sukkah, but not, the, let's say, uh, a guy has, uh, you know, he has a butler or whatever it is, but he, and he has a migraine headache. He's going there, so that's, that's chola. Let's take a different example. Um, he doesn't like the mosquitoes in the sukkah. Okay, so he's going in. The other guy, the butler, is okay with the mosquitoes. So, with the, the, in that case, the butler still has to eat in the sukkah. Just because I have a job that I have to the take care of. The butler's not day. attending a sick person. Right, exactly. When he's not attending a sick person, he doesn't have the exemption. The exemption of the attendant is only for sick person. So some but say, I just want to point out a fascinating thing. I saw one explanation says, it's not because, he's not exempt because of, the as an attendant. He has, I guess in those days, i never seen this either, the attendant himself, when you're, when you're, a caretaker, and you're taking care of an ill person, you feel the pain of that, you should feel the pain of that person. So you have your own pain. If that person's in pain, you're in pain too, which is an amazing thing. I've never seen. If you find that caretaker, um, uh, let me know. Yes, it's a family member. It is true. Could, yeah? Definitely true. Caretakers require, it's a whole separate issue about how you take care of caretakers. But it's and a fascinating, uh, beautiful so, But, but uh, if you go back to the original yeah. idea, you should dwell in the sukkah. You it, wouldn't you say whatever the caretaker would do in the house. In other words, if they fall asleep, then the caretaker will wander off to do whatever they want. Or if the caretaker just sits out their room in case they need them, then you shouldn't go in the circle. So why wouldn't you refer back to the whole idea of you would treat... So again, so first of all, we're not, I'm not, it's gonna, there's a question, it seems to be there's an argument amongst the later authorities as to if the, pay, the ill person is from the same source or is it a separate source? Is it a diff? Do we view it just as a general discomfort, and they're included in the same category, or is it something else? As we'll see, that's one question. So I would, uh, but but there's another question: is if he's only exempt because the patient at that point. So if he, if the patient doesn't need him, he's not servicing the patient. So why shouldn't he? And so why should he be exempt at that point? Patient sleeping doesn't need him now. Usually it takes an hour nap or two hour nap. So at but that point, he needs to go to the sukkah. But but to Shelley's point. Yeah. If if the patient were exempt, he needs to stay in his room, and the caretaker uh, 
is obligated to sit right outside the room and be nearby. No. Yeah, but again, if that's what I mentioned, if they have the, the, yeah, but, the but way he, to communicate, it rings a bell. Maybe he needs to be very close in case he quits yeah. breathing. He can give him a No, push. that's something else. If someone's in danger again, no, then we're not even not talking about it. But, but he, he's in only potential danger. They need some water, you know. No, I'm not saying even not even or potential danger. That enough. would be allowed. We're talking about the guy's just he just uh, he needs someone to help to go to the bathroom. He's healthy as a as a as a bird. My mother lives lives independently, but she has an age. She she's healthier than she's ever been in her life. She's uh, she's uh, she's 87 now. But, she's but she's unbelievably you, healthy. She doesn't you, need the aid because she's in danger. But the aid helps her walk to the bathroom. And uh, but if the caretaker normally goes all about his business all through the house and depends on a monitor to know when he needs to go attend to him, then that seems like it would he could take the monitor into the <laughs> sukkah. But if he normally stays right outside the door so he can hear him, does he have to then get a monitor and use the monitor? Uh, yes, that, as yeah. I mean, if, back, if he's obligated in the mitzvah, then it's going back to your dwelling standard. If the dwelling part is the standard, then you know what he would normally do in his house. That's what he should do in. Yeah, I'm saying normally in the house, so he goes to a different room. So that's the question. The sukkah is just a different room. I mean, technically, no, if it's a different room of that. Let's say you have. That depends. Yeah. You're presuming this is only a. Physical discomfort. Yeah, that's all. If it's a mental okay, discomfort, the attendant probably does not, cannot Eventually. go anywhere okay. he wants to go. That's a good point. Go. Yeah. Just think about. It. Let's so depends on the discomfort here. That's a let's good say point. a person is somewhat physically disabled. They have to go to the bathroom. They're a danger walking to the bathroom because they Again, slip and if fall. If it's a danger, we're not talking about that case. That's what Shulchan says explicitly. A few shalom welcomes. We're not talking about it. If it is a danger, of course he's exempt. Anyone's exempt nah, of danger, meaning he has to, he's doing, he's, he, of course he's exempt in that situation. We're talking about, there's no danger. The, like I said, the case, take my mother. She's totally healthy. She just, you just she has an aid. aid uh, there to help her walk. Well, why does she need help? That means she could fall, so she's in danger. No, she doesn't have the aid 24 hours. She, she, you know, she falls sometimes, but that's not, her, that's not why she has the aid. She likes it. Listen, Medicare's paying, so she has an aid. That's why she has the aid. <laughs> Let's be honest here. And he's rejecting <laughs> our notion of firm back that's to dwelling. That's the exception like to the rule. Right. What's the exception? I give you a, well, a thumbs up vote. Well, because most people have an aid because they have to have an aid. <laughs> again, if they have to have the aid, and the aid needs to be there, for we're not even discussing reason. that. For we're saying, reason. let's say there's a point where the person doesn't need the aid um, when they're sleeping. Okay, is at that point does the aid have to go back out to the sukkah to eat? He wants to eat at that point. So there are opinions who say yes, because again, the other, the other source for the aid would be. It's oh, what's called osik the mitzvah patim and There are those that interpret it mean it's nothing to do with mitzvah. It's nothing to do with discomfort. Aid is not discomforted. So why are we permitting the aid not to eat in the sukkah? Always hire a gentile aid. <laughs> That's for sure. Anyway, as I said before, we're not going to discuss which nationalities, but you should hire. But the 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 point is that that uh, that there's there's another interpretation as we'll see, which means. It's osik permits We had a concept, a principle, is a principle in Jewish law, which is if you're involved in one mitzvah, you're exempt for another mitzvah. So this aid, he's taking care of an of ill person, so that's a mitzvah. So therefore, he's exempt from the sukkah. So again, now once the, the person doesn't need him, if it's a situation where the patient doesn't need him at that moment, so then he's not exempt because he's not osik permits at that point. He's only osik permits when he's attending to the patient. Osik mitzvah means he's involved in doing one mitzvah, so you're exempt from the other mitzvah. So he's only exempt while he's involved in the mitzvah. If the patient's sleeping now, he's not involved in any mitzvah. No, Again, if the patient needs him... Uh, uh, yeah, that is... Okay. We're rejecting okay. If he's getting paid, if he's, if he's getting paid <laughs> you're to be a, a caretaker, <laughs> if he's getting paid to be a caretaker, that's a different is question. he performing a mitzvah by taking yes, care of the it's guy? Yes, still a mitzvah. It's because he's getting paid. Doctors get paid, but they're still performing a mitzvah. Okay, but again, we're talking about, let's <laughs> say there is a situation where he's not needed for the patient at that moment. The patient is now, uh, he's sitting in the Schwitz, he's, he has there's 10 other people there in case he falls or whatever the case is. So at this point, he's not on duty. He has a lunch break, okay? Does he go out to the sukkah when the, when the patient doesn't need him? The patient's kids came to visit him. So now they're, they're taking care of him, they're walking to the bathroom, they're doing everything he needs. Can, is that point, does the aid have to go out to the sukkah? That's the question. So, so if the point is discomfort, so for some reason we're, we're including him in the discomfort of the patient, 
and therefore he's exempt. But if the point is he's osik b'mitzvah, so as long as there's a point in the care where he, the patient doesn't need him, he's not osik b'mitzvah at that point. He's not involved in the mitzvah. Well, it does raise another point, which is your mitzvah is taking care of this patient. Now, if you go to the sukkah, the point we're making is potentially compromising his performing the mitzvah of taking care of that patient. Potentially, not endangering their life necessarily, but compromising that mitzvah of taking care of the patient. So, do you become exempt? Is your exemption ruined by you going to sit in the sukkah? Um, if, am I making sense here? You know, no. Yes, I, tell I, I agree with you. Win this one. Yeah, no, I, I, I hear your You're point. Splitting I mean, hairs. I agree with no, you. The question is, is the again, way to split hairs. I, the question is, we're talking about a situation where he's there's no need for him at this point. There's not even a potential need. It's, like I said, his kids are there. Let's say he has two aides, and they switch off. Okay, so okay. in a okay. situation like that, that's the question. So some say he's still exempt because since I'm on, I'm on my hours are nine to five. During 9 to 5, I'm exempt. Whether the guy needs me, he's sleeping, he's watching TV, he's, he's involved in something else, he's, he has a physical therapy, he's in the middle of physical therapy, he don't need me now. I'm still, since my, my duty is 9 to 5, I'm totally exempt from 9 to 5. Or do you say right now, he's not in he needed, so therefore he has to go out to suck. You understand? That's the question. Oh. And it's two opinions. It's two opinions in the Shulchan Alright, so you're paying the case where he's definitely not needed at yes. the moment. or potentially right. needed. If potentially needed, that could be right. I have a related he's question. Yeah. The person... Oh, who's being cared for doesn't feel well. So the caretaker takes him into the house to make him comfortable. The person was having a heart attack. He dies. <laughs> now, which mitzvah is better, staying with the body or going to eat in the sukkah? Once you're also the mitzvah, and one mitzvah, you're exempt from the sukkah. So once you took him in, whatever mitzvah he's doing, you're exempt now from sukkah, from, uh, from oh, the mitzvah so sukkah. Once they start the one mitzvah, yeah. Once they start one mitzvah, then then I'm. Okay, so now let's now let's read the second paragraph now. That'd be a good question. So you call up Yossi. So Yossi, the guy I was taking care of, I just took him and said he died. Do I stay with the body right? <laughs> you could bring the body into the sucker. You can bring the body into the sucker. Go back. The guy's dead. Go back in the sucker. Now it's now it's the decoration. <laughs> Hang him from the, uh, the sky. <laughs> Take him with you and go back in the circle. Okay, so now let's read the second paragraph. But it's Shabbat, I can't shut up. Oh, that's a good point. But, but if you're with the body when it okay, well, you stay with the body. Losing control there. But we're losing control. Okay, no bodies. There's no bodies in the circle. <laughs> Okay, one who's discovered looks. We're going to do the second paragraph. I'm just going to read it in English. <laughs> Good luck with that. Because you guys are too ready. To. So listen, the second paragraph. You ready? It says like this. One who is discomforted. We'll do it around the page. Last paragraph on the page. So this is the, the Code of Jewish Law speaking. So he says, one who is discomforted. I'm not reading Hebrew because they are too ready. Um, one who is discomforted is exempt from the sukkah. He and not his attendants. Okay? So now here it makes clear in a case of discomfort, that's not an illness related discomfort. It's not a headache, it's not an eye ache, it's not a toothache, it's not a backache. It's just the guy doesn't, uh, there's, there's too many um, geckos in his sukkah. Okay? Too many geckos, too many lizards going around the sukkah. He, he doesn't like eating there. It's ruining his appetite. So in that case, even though he has a butler with him, because that's the guy usually who, who uh, is scared of the geckos guy with the butler. So his butler is not exempt in this case. The attendant exemption, the aid that's also exempt, is only by illness. That's number one, a difference between the general category of, of discomfort and the ill, minor illness discomfort. But on the first night, so this is a separate parenthetical point, which the first night, there are, it's a machalakas again, but there are opinions who say the first night of sukkah, you don't have the exemption. Why? Because we learn out just like on the first night of Pesach, you're obligated. It means, technically speaking, for seven days of Sukkot or eight days, if you're not having bread, you're not having a suda, what's called a, a kavua meal, which in halacha is defined as bread, then you don't have to eat in the sukkah. Again, because just like snacks, you you know, they in the in, in the Jewish culture, any Jewish mom knows, you're not having a sandwich, you're not having bread. Well, you, that's just a snack. Right, a piece of schnitzel is a snack in Judaism. Right, um, so so uh, so I used to have a friend. I used to go to his house. His mom would, you know, yeah, so we give him for snack. Say a bracha, but not the sukkah bracha. Meaning you're exempt from the sukkah except for a, a full meal. 
Okay? So, no, it's technically, if I, you can go through seven days of Sukkot and not have to eat in the Sukkot because if I'm just having fruits, if I'm just having fruits and vegetables and I don't eat bread, and I'm, uh, right, so I don't have to go into the Sukkot. But, according to most, and as we try to be stringent on this, the first night, you're obligated to eat in the Sukkot no matter what, even if you're obligated to have a meal. So you should try to have bread the first night. Why? Because we learn out just like the first night, of, just like Pesach. I don't have to eat matzah for seven days, eight days of Pesach. First night, there's a mitzvah to eat matzah. Only the first night. So the same thing, we learn out, it's another Gzair Shav, Tezvav, Tezvav. Um, since the Torah used the word Hamisha, so the 15th day of the month, both holidays, 15th. So just like some say on the first night of Pesach, you have to eat matzah, the mitzvah to eat matzah, even if you don't want matzah. But that's your sec- uh, No, 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 it's an extrapolation. It's a, we learn it's one of the 13 principles of extrapolation. Allah Moshe Messinai. Ron is not on the same page as me in this, but we, uh, but that's a, so we call it biblical. Ron would call it. Then it's I don't want to say what he would call. So, <laughs> um, so one second. So, so this, the, the, so some say that the same thing. The first night of, of Sukkot, you have to, even if it's raining, you should wait. You should wait till it stops raining and have your, uh, have at least wash and make, you make kiddush in the Sukkah, Then you go into your home, because you don't have the exemption. Okay. So that's a parenthetical point. Yeah. If you were eating, but not for a but yeah. If you were a snack while dwelling in your house, why wouldn't you eat a snack outside in the sukkah? Again, the obligation is you're sitting down to a meal, snack, you're just walking around, that's not called sitting, it's not called dwelling, it's not part of dwelling. You're right, I'm not, some, it says you should not. There's a, there's a, there's a nice thing to be stringent even on a cup of water you eat in the sukkah. Um, but that's a stringency. Halachically speaking, you only obligate to, uh, to when you're eating bread. It has to be dwelled. No, I'm saying, because again, in Judaism, we're very into our food. Anything less than a full meal is, is a snack. And a snack is not dwelling, you know, as if I'm walking around my house, that's not called. Dwelling means, you know, sitting and sitting down and having a meal. Um, so, so again, so let's continue. He says, so that's a, a parenthetical point. That's all the cowboy's opinion is, but on the first night, even the discomfort, one must eat an olive portion there in the sukkah. Now, before we get to the next part is, so again, the question would be, there's an argument, two different opinions, as to whether this cowboy, this statement of the first night, applies only to someone who's discomforted or even to an ill person with a minor illness. Because mm-hmm. how do we view minor illness? Is it the same category of discomfort or not? So that would be the question. Some say no. Even the first night, a, someone who has a headache does not have to eat in the sukkah. Who is discomforted? Now, what's the definition of discomfort? So, it gives pre- some examples. He who cannot sleep in the sukkah because of the wind, because of the flies, fleas, and their ilk, meaning uh, geckos, mosquitoes, whatever else, um, whatever else you dislike, flying roaches, or because of the smell. Even a smell, it says, the Talmud gives a story where it says one guy had used a certain sand on the bottom of a sukkah, some rabbis, and one rabbi didn't like the smell, and they exempted him from the sukkah. Because it smells. So if you live on the bayou uh, and there's a bad smell, that could exempt you from the sukkah. Yeah. Sorry. Well, I wasn't going to say anything, but if, wouldn't you have the same smell in your house if you lived near the bayou? No. I mean, yeah, so I mean, yes. I mean, it depends. First of all, it's interesting that people, I, I don't want to bash different neighbors. Yeah, in the city, like U.S. has a sewage plant. As we know, Beth uh, Between U.S. and Beth Yishon, there's <coughs> that sewage plant. When I go to that neighborhood, it's even driving through, it smells pretty bad. The people in the neighborhood don't. They get used to the smell. It's like, you know, you live by the railroad, you get used to the noise. Right, if someone lives on a busy street. So, so uh, I go to the neighbor, I think you're not even praying the shoulder because of the smell. You're not to pray Shmon Esri, I mean, it's sewage. It's halacha. If you have a downwind, if you smell sewage, you're not allowed to pray Shmon um, Esri. That's why I don't go to U.S. <laughs> okay, so, um, but this is only when the discomfort occurred by chance. No, I'm saying it's so the, they get used to the smell. People live there, get used to it. Seems like, I mean, I, I've spoken to people about it. They say they don't smell it. Um, so they're not going to have the exemption, you understand, probably. But this is only when the discomfort occurred by chance. This is a very fascinating thing. The Shachanar says, if I build my sukkah in a place where I know I can't do all my functions there because it's discovered, let's say, like I live on the bayou. Um, or you live in a you're building it in a place where you know it's extremely you're building limited. an exemption, right? So then the sukkah is invalid, even if you, you it's not a valid sukkah. That means more so. Ramaz is going to say even more so. We'll see in a second. So he says this is only when the discomfort occurred by chance after you built the sukkah there. But you shouldn't build a sukkah in a priori. It means initially in a smelly or windy place and say I am discomforted. You can't build your sukkah and say oh, I built it in this place and now I'm discomforted. 
And the Ramah, and the Ramah says even further, he says if he built it at the beginning in a place where he's discomfort while eating or drinking or sleeping, or he cannot do one of them in the sukkah, so let's say you live in Fandrin, let's pick out another neighbor, and uh, you built your sukkah in front of your house. So now it's dangerous to sleep out there, if it's in your backyard, okay, at least you're protected, you have a fence. But if you build your sukkah in the fr- on your front lawn, and it's not surrounded by a fence, it's pretty, I would not sleep in that sukkah because I'd be scared unless I'm packing, uh, right, I'm carrying, because it's dangerous. So now he's saying, therefore, even eating in that sukkah, that's a disqualified sukkah. Once you built a sukkah that you can't sleep in, it even is disqualified for eating because the sukkah has to be built in a way, again, we defined it legally, in a place where you can do everything you do in your home, in your sukkah. So once it, one of the functions that I normally do in my home, I no can't do in this sukkah, I can't do, I can't do my sukkah, then it disqualifies the whole sukkah, even for eating. So it means if I live in Fadim and I built my sukkah on my front lawn, I saw people doing this. Um, someone has to tell them that that's a disqualified sukkah because, because you can't sleep in that sukkah. It's dangerous. Okay, if you live in, in, uh, in New York City and you're building in Harlem or whatever, it's in dangerous neighborhoods where I grew up in, you can't build it in the front because you're disqualifying the sukkah from sleeping there. And therefore, it will even disqualify from eating according to the Ramah. Does a discomfort exempt you from building a sukkah? No. Building is not the mitzvah. Mitzvah is, is dwelling in it. So building it so is always you can hire so different nationalities at Home Depot and they'll build your sukkah for you. We do, yeah. but I'm... You hire students so and they pay for their trip to Israel. You can do that too. We hire someone so, to about So you have a... Okay. Well, you live somewhere and the backyard no, is inappropriate for a sukkah because there's a lot of bugs and mosquitoes and stuff in the front yard is good but you can't sleep in it at night oh you could you live in a safe neighborhood what do you mean because you, you live don't in live. Maryland. you live near beth Israel. No, i'm not there. talking about i'm not you not i, I don't build a sucker anyway okay. so i'm to new york then you build but, it on the fire escape but the point i'm making okay. is you have a choice. It can either be unacceptable from one standpoint here, and you can't sleep in it, or right, it can so be unacceptable for this other point so because of the mud. So according so to the Rama, you, you're so right. So you pick, you pick the no, one. So according to Rama, according to this opinion, I hear your point. According to Rama, he's saying it won't. It'll no disqualify. Yeah, don't build. You no point of building a sucker because. Once you have a disqualification okay. for any function, it, dif- it disqualifies the sukkah as a sukkah. It's not a kosher sukkah. So yeah, but why, why can't you go into Yossi's house in Hey, can Chinuch is a Chinuch. Because the point, the point is, in most of the most of Houston, you could make that argument that no one should build a sukkah. If you because were really to follow it to the letter. It's too humid, it's too Mosquito. hot, it's uncomfortable. So you're right, yeah. you're so anyway. that's a very good point. So then okay. the question is, why do you build a sukkah anyway in, in Houston? And my answer, like I was saying, is just for education. You okay. show the kids, you show your neighbors, you invite friends. You okay, that's a good point. So but let, me, so let me explain. So Brian's a very good point. So let, let's take Houston. Houston is a prime example. This year came out a little later, it's a little better, it was a little better the first day, second day was still terrible. But, but, but Rod's pointing out, you live in a place like Houston where it's, you know, uh, 85 degrees in the shade and humidity is uh, 150%. Or Montana or where it's snowing yes. okay, right. so, well, right, or Poland. So all those places ah, are disqualified. So, so they discussed that and, I, and this has always bothered me. Um, by the way, the, the, so much so that the Mishnah Brewer, the Bar the Chafetz Chaim says, and just, I'm going to get, get explaining your point, says that let's say you live in a place where you can't sleep because it's too cold at night but during but you could eat there so he says you have to make sure to put on a coat when you're eating because if you're eating there without a coat again and it's too cold you're technically exempt so you're going to be making when you say the bracha uh, the bracha on the mitzvah it's a bracha vatali he says because you're, you're saying god's name in vain because you're not obligated in the mitzvah if i'm sitting there and i'm f- freezing um i'm not obligated in the mitzvah because I'm discomforted, and Torah gives you the guide on the mitzvah is, to, is not to be discomforted, meaning to dwell there as you dwell on your own. So therefore, he says, you got to make sure to put coats on. So I want to argue the same in Houston. You have to sit there in a tank top and in shorts, a minimum, maybe. But you're naked. still not going um, to sit there. Oh, so right. So you're therefore, so, so my son was arguing with me. He was saying that 
Yeah, listen, you know, it doesn't help. So even a tank tank and shorts and you the code in New York helps. And you're living in Montreal. You need an AC unit in your oh, sukkah. Yeah, so some people do that. Okay, people do that. Florida, a lot of people do that. Florida, a lot of people, people do that. So let me explain. So they, so they do address your question. So Ron's point is so then my whole sukkah is invalid in Houston. Chag Okay, okay enjoy the, the NPR show. Enjoy. Chef Nachas from your sons on NPR 930. That's really amazing. So, um, so the point being is like this. So, so Ron is a very good point. In Houston, and I made this argument for years. Technically, you're exempt from sukkah because <laughs> it's not livable. Houston, I always you argue this is not habitual. It's not a. It's not a place for. A, it's not a place for human habitation. Houston in general. Specifically, because the no, no, I'm saying so. It's a say, right? Houston is built on air conditioning and oil, because without air conditioning, no, no one. I mean, you had. If you go back to Wait, the 40s, one second. For years, you, you're an exception. Hot. Many people, but, but the, the population of Houston at that point was I have six, seven thousand people. Okay, so so so, so Ron's point. Listen to Ron's point. So he's saying you you can't build a sukkah. Period. You're exempt. So it could be in a certain sense you're right, but the Chafetz Chaim addresses this. Rosh actually does, because in Poland it was freezing. In many places, right? And, and they lived in Russia. So he says like this, if you're living in a city, I'll read it to you, he says a fascinating thing, which I'm not sure I understand it completely, but he says, if you live in a city where you can't sleep, let's say because it's too cold, and there in their time, because at night the temperatures went below freezing. So he says, so then you have no option. Um, let me just find it, make sure I'm saying it correctly. He says, therefore you have no option um, this is, the Torah doesn't say, obviously you built your house, it just says you build your house in bad climates, okay? A person builds their house in bad climates, so the same thing. You build your sukkah in the bad climate also. You're stuck, you don't have an option in that situation to do anything else. But you build your house specifically not to be outside. No, but I'm where? saying I mean, is sometimes, uh, you know, it's meaning, so the same thing, what he's saying is the, obli the obligations to build your circle. Let's say one side of my house is windy, is open to the elements, and one side is not. So now I would have to choose to build my circle the place that's less open to the elements. But you're not exempt from the sukkah just because, you're exempt from sleeping because it's too cold, or you're exempt from, let's say, in Houston, maybe eating in midday, because it's too hot, because it's too hot and humid. At night you'd be obligated, but it doesn't invalidate the sukkah in that situation because just as people choose to live in bad climates, you're building your sukkah in that bad, you're stuck. This is where you live, and this is the climate in the place you live. So he's saying in that situation, where you don't have a choice. It's not like I'm living in uh, San Diego and it's, it's a beautiful, you know, 72 degrees, 365 days, you only finish the point. So, so, so in San Diego, if I would build it right on the ocean where it's, the in a, where it's going to be too windy, so then I invalidate my sukkah because I chose to build in that spot. I have to build it behind the building or somewhere where it won't. But if you live in a place where you have no options, it's, uh, you're living in Siberia, so then you have to build it as best as you can, but, and at the time that you can uh, deal with the cold, you, you, you're obligated to eat there. It still says, meaning you can put on coats at that time. So at night you won't go out, but during the day you will. Same thing like in Houston, where I don't sleep in the sukkah, but I eat in the sukkah. But it's not an invalid sukkah, according to, that's the way the Orcha Shulchan explains it. So yeah, it's a So fetch. on the one hand, if you, can't, if you can't sleep in it, it invalidates the sukkah, but on the other hand, if you can't sleep in it, it doesn't yes. invalidate yes. the sukkah. Exactly. Exactly. I'm getting I good at this. Welcome getting to good at this. <laughs> getting so good at this. Now it's perfect, right? And I'm so glad perfect. you came this week. Is there yeah. any instance where you could build a sukkah indoors? Yeah, indoors as long as you take off the roof. Track the roof. I told you in Jerusalem. Oh, many, my sister had that. Many people, well, they have like a porch that has right. like an indoor sunroom with uh, you know using plexiglass uh, on top. I can't just. And then they take it off. I can't just staple some <laughs> yes. pictures, on pictures on the right. stars. Yeah, it doesn't work. <laughs> okay, so so. Um, so it's clear that it's not clear. Would a, yeah. sun, would a sunlight as usual. Be clear about that? As usual. <laughs> would a sunlight suffice? There's guidelines, yes, it could, depending on how close it is to the walls, etc. So yes, some people do have that. So my sister had in Jerusalem, she had an apartment, and she had a sun, a sunlight, sun, sunlight. sunlight. As long off. as it's built, no, it has to come off. No, oh, okay. it has to open. She added that it opened. The window on the sunroof oh. opened, was uh, was opened, and but it has to be the certain guidelines has to be close enough to the walls, the whatever. Not for now, too complicated. Okay, so let's just finish here. Um, he says like this, because I have another class very soon. Uh, he says, okay, by the way, another exemption, interesting left. Let's say your lights go out in the sukkah. 
Um, he says also that would be an exemption because people don't like eating in the dark, so your lights are on in the house. So this is an important thing. Two things I want to finish with, and then maybe a third thing um, quickly. Uh, so the one thing is most people don't like eating in the dark, so that's another exemption. Once you, you, you let's say your lights, you set your timer in the sukkah, it happens, and you don't know how to set the timer, you know, the pin was in the wrong place, whatever the case is. You have, to have the fancy timers, you were told Alexa, turn it on, turn it off. It didn't work. So now with your lights on in your house, but your light is not on your sukkah. Mm -hmm. So you're allowed to move into your own. That's also an exemption. Discomfort, no one likes eating in the dark, you want to see what you're eating, the ambiance, whatever. So that's another exemption. Now, by the way, once you went into the house for an exemption, let's say it was raining, and now it stopped raining, and you started eating in the house already, you're not obligated to go back out. Because again, that's a tircha, that's a big pain. I can go to my next door neighbor's house, the sukkah has lights. We don't obligate you again, just like you wouldn't leave your dining room and go to your neighbor. So, so we don't obligate you to move back into the sukkah. What about the next meal? No, the next meal you are, of course. As long as it's not still dripping from the rain. It's dripping. Mm -hmm. So, so now, exemptions. Exemptions. i got to finish. So now we're getting back to the question was before, is this there objective? Is shall, now, uh, very important, another aspect is, there's a question, is it dependent, is my aspect going to be fixed by going to the house? So let's say I don't, my lights went out in the sukkah, but my lights are out in the house too. So that doesn't exempt you. No, it has to be that you're going to fix your discomfort, according to most at least, by going into the home. So that's really the question that comes when you have an, uh, someone who has a headache. So by going to the house, does the headache get better? Not really, but it's more comfortable. Someone has a headache, you want to be in a more comfortable setting. So then that would be enough, they say, an exemption, even though it's not getting fixed in the house per se. Okay, now is it objective or subjective? Um, sorry. So uh, it says like this. So that also, the, the Shulchan Aruch says very clearly in, in this paragraph towards the end that it, here, look. You go towards the end of the paragraph, he addresses it. He says, uh, he says like this. You cannot say, I am, uh, he says it in the last four lines in the, on the paragraph here. He says, I cannot say I am discomforted unless it is something from which it is normal for one to be discomforted. So meaning you go by the average person. The average person discomforted by this thing or not. So if there's one mosquito flying around the sukkah, most people are not discomforted. Once you have five or six mosquitoes in the sukkah, most people will be discomforted, then you can go in. But otherwise, you must sleep in the sukkah even if he is discomforted. So meaning you can't say, you know, I, like I said, sometimes, you know, you have these people, they saw one thing flying around, they're running 20 blocks away from the one little uh, flying object. So that is not a, dis that's limited to you. If you have this thing, you're, listen, if you have a mental illness, you're scared of geckos, uh, you know, uh, you get scared of animals, that's something else. We're not talking about someone's really sick. But someone who has this crazy fear, for no reason, so that is not called discomfort, you go by the average person. Okay? So in law, we call that the reasonable man Yes, test. the reasonable man. Okay? Now one, la I wanted to want to end off quickly, is like this, that the question is, so this do we have this concept of discomfort by mitzvah? How does it apply to other mitzvahs? Let's say, listen, there's a lot of things. Ron, for sure, has a lot of things that discomfort him about the uh, Torah. A lot of mitzvahs that discomfort Ron, right? And me too, even I'll admit. I would say only even the as, whole Torah. But <laughs> even as a rabbi, there are many mitzvot that sometimes you feel, you know, listen, I shaking the lulav is pretty, if you're doing it out this morning, I was uh, in Marlon Sukkah. Yeah. It's outside Fioza, a UPS store. It's well, in the front. Well, it was raining. Right. Yeah, I didn't do it. actually stop raining. I went outside, I shook the little there, and people are staring at me. It's a little discomforting. I'm, listen, I'm anyway wearing a garment, I don't mind the discomfort, but there's some people who will be discomforted. So, th is there the concept of discomfort? Would that exempt you from other mitzvahs? You have to shake the little vatrug in the circle? No, that's a special yeah. trend. See, I mean, all the Kabbalistic thing. Um, you don't have to. But uh, listen, I get paid for this, so I might as well do my job. So, so the, the, uh, the point is, that uh, that does this apply to other mitzvot or not? So it's a 